RVFTA's Campground of the Week is sponsored by Jayco. To view their complete line of RVs, visit jayco.com. And by Yogi Bear's Jellystone Park Camp Resorts. To find a campground near you, visit campjellystone.com. America the Beautiful. There is adventure to be found around every corner. And there is no better way to explore it than by staying at one of our country's 14,000 campgrounds. Our team of correspondents will guide you to the best places to park your rig or pitch your tent. On each week's episode, we'll give a complete review of one campground, location, activities, amenities, best sites, and tons of other insider intel. Plus, we'll talk about regional highlights, food, culture, attractions, family fun, and all things great outdoors. From the East Coast to the West Coast, and from the Great Lakes to the Mississippi Delta, it's time to hit the open road with RVFTA's Campground of the Week. Hey everybody, it's Jeremy and Stephanie from RVFTA.com, and we are coming at you this week with a great campground find in our home state of New Jersey. And Stephanie, I'm pretty pumped about this one because this is the type of campground that you and I and our boys could go to once a year because it's so close to where we live. Absolutely. We are excited about this campground review for sure. And for a a few different reasons. Not only is this a great option for us as a family, but we're really happy that we finally got to this place and we really checked it out so that every single time one of our RVFTA community members says, we're going to camp near Philadelphia. Where should we camp? We can wholeheartedly say this is your place, right? So we're talking the Philadelphia South Clarksboro KOA, which is in New Jersey, but it's only 20 minutes from downtown Philly. That's right. It, yeah. it took us 20 minutes to drive from the campground to park in downtown Philadelphia on a Saturday. Right. Let's clarify for folks that maybe not be so super familiar with, you know, urban uh, yeah, rush hour traffic. This is 18 miles away from downtown Philadelphia. In fact, it's 18 miles from what I, um, I clocked the actual Independence Hall because I figured a lot of people are going to see one of the most popular, you know, tourist attractions in Philadelphia. So it actually took us in real time, 20 minutes on a Saturday. It could take you up to, I would think, about 45 minutes if you were traveling during some more trafficy weekdays. I think that your best bet would just be to avoid rush hour hours and to go during off hours and the weekends. And don't confuse this one with the Philadelphia Westchester KOA, which is a great campground that we've been to eight or nine times. But that is really far away from this campground. It's all the way on the other side of Philadelphia, on the west side of Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania, obviously. So this one is much closer Mm -hmm. to the city than the other one. And it's much closer to us. So I think I'm going to book this one for the spring, and we're going to tell you a lot more about it. But before we do that, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Jayco. Since 1968, Jayco has been providing a way for generations of families to create lasting memories together. Today, Jayco offers everything from camping trailers to gas Class A motorhomes, complete with standard features and a longer, stronger two-year limited warranty. Jayco gives you the value you're looking for and the peace of mind you deserve. Lots of family fun is to be had around a campfire with the Jayco nearby. For more information, visit your local Jayco dealer or jayco.com. Jayco, generations of family 
fun. All right. So this is a KOA campground, but it's only been a KOA for about a year or so. Before that, it was Timberlane Campground. And KOA seems to have big plans for this now that they've purchased it. And that makes all the sense in the world because they have a big piece of property there. And they're so close to Philadelphia, which is really just one of the major historic cities in the United States. Right. So let's like start at the most important, you know, point of this entire review that's going to set it up for the rest of it. This is urban camping. In fact, this campground is located in a in a commuter suburb of Philadelphia. It's a little odd. You can't, you know, you have to understand when you're going to places like this that you're not going to a state park in a, on a mountaintop. You're going, you're going to be driving past subdivisions and little um, suburban they're, homes. They're charming, <laughs> but it is. This is a suburb of Philly, yeah. and it's a nice, cute, charming, safe suburb of Philly, but it's a suburb nonetheless. And it reminds me quite a bit of the capital KOA, mm-hmm. which is like yeah, 20 minutes from downtown Washington, D.C., but basically you turn off the interstate and you drive through a neighborhood of houses and then the KOA emerges for right. the capital KOA and for this one. So the very definition of urban camping is that you're looking for a campground that's in close proximity to the city and you're staying there for the convenience and the amenities of the campground, not necessarily for natural beauty. Now, the nice part about this campground is that it actually does provide a fairly scenic, you know, location. So that even though you are in this suburb, really when you go back into the back of the campground, and we'll talk about that more, you do get some, you know, pond and tree and forest kind of feeling to it. It's quite charming for an urban campground. And, right. And frankly, you know, like when we want to get our RV close to a city or we want to camp close to a city, our expectations are not high for something pretty, like you just said. Yeah, it's just This different. one was mm-hmm. cute and charming. And they have plans to just like double the size of this campground. Yeah. So it's kind of an older campground. They've been fixing it up. It's nice and neat and tidy now. It has a lot of new features we're going to talk about. But they're going to add 87 sites to this campground. It's a huge piece of property that hasn't been fully used as part of the campground yet. Right now, I would consider the actual campground on a fairly small, but like we said, they have they have uh, plans to expand. There's a few distinct sections, and of course, as always, we always put the campground map into the show notes over at rvfta.com for this episode because it's helpful sometimes to look at the campground map as we're doing the review and to sort of see what we're talking about. There's a front section with some of those full hookup pull-throughs for big rigs. There's this middle section that to me felt, you know, you're kind of walking down past the pond and there's rigs there. I felt like that was actually more of a seasonal spot. I thought there was more seasonals in that area. You know, of course, you're always guessing at a seasonal, but it seemed to me like those folks were a little more planted. And then there's a whole back area that, you know, that it, that does feel a little more natural, a little more secluded. I thought secluded. those were the nicest sites. On, on the total rear of the campground, on the other side of the small pond, there were some really cute sites. And they uh, somebody told me that they do guide you back to those sites in a golf cart because they're a little bit tighter. Right. Though I saw a 35, 38-foot Class A back there. I mean, you could definitely get back there, and they're going to help you get back there. One note on the seasonals. When someone like a KOA buys a campground like this, they often inherit seasonals. And then to some degree, as they change the campground and prices increase, there are fewer seasonals. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that as a fact that that's what's going on here, but I would be willing to wager that that is the case at this campground. Yeah, we'll see. We'll kind of keep, we really do look forward to kind of keeping our finger on the pulse of this campground and seeing where it goes, because it has a lot of opportunities for us being, it was an hour and 20 minutes from door to door for us. And it put us with 
within minutes of Philadelphia. And we actually lived in Philadelphia for uh, some time. I did my graduate work there. And I have to say that Philadelphia has a real piece of my heart. I loved it as a city. In fact, if Jeremy hadn't been such a Jersey boy, I was kind of angling to stay. Stephanie and to, really wanted I, to stay. I would have lived in Philly. I just really, there's something I, about that city I love so much. It was so accessible. And we were dirt poor. We were there. And it was still affordable. Like, yeah, we were. Stephanie was in graduate school. We had no money. I was. I think I was even offered a job, and we could have stayed. But I wanted desperately. You wanted, wanted to, to move come back, back and and so I just I just kind of feel like now our boys are a little bit older. They're a little more um, up for those city adventures. They're more fun when your kids get older to go into the city for sure. So I kind of see this as a good opportunity for us in the future to kind of have a base camp for city exploration that's close yeah, to home. I think this is a future gem in the KOA system because they're going to add these eighty-seven sites. And then what I heard is that they're going to take some of the sites up near the front of the campground, which we must say are smaller sites, and they may turn of them turn some of them into larger deluxe sites. Mm-hmm. And that is the one big drawback of this campground that we think we need to be really honest about. Generally speaking, the sites are small Absolutely. here. And that's fine for urban camping. Like if I'm 20 minutes from a city, I don't expect a huge site and you're not going to get one here. There are some here and there that are larger. But ultimately you need to go to this many. campground with your eyes wide open and knowing that you're here for access and a nice place to stay. Not a bad, but like a beautiful place to stay at night, um, an affordable place to stay while you're near the city. But don't um, expect too much from the site at this point in time. Hopefully we'll be able to say something different in the but future. if you go and you're not going to be upset by a smaller site, everything else was really good. There's just a lot of good amenities here. They've really added a lot of nice new things. And there's some nice places to eat right around there. And that proximity to Philadelphia is unbeatable. All right. Let's talk about kind of the price ranges that we're looking at. So full hookup RV sites range from about $55 to $65 a night. This campground is open year round. So you're going to see some fluctuation in those prices. But I actually did my typical little little slew thing where I put in like weekend, you know, for a weekend reservation, but then also during the week off season. And pretty much we were always within that 55 to 65 for RV sites. And again, when you're right outside of the city where a hotel room could be 300 to $400, it's awesome to be able to do urban RV camping. Absolutely they, yeah. awesome. Now they also have glamping tents available during the spring, summer, and early fall season. They were just closing them down when, when we were there in the late fall. They're running for about $100 a night. And they were cute. They were Mm-hmm. Tucked away into the woods, they look totally charming. Cabin prices were very reasonable. We the cabins range from eighty five to one eighty five. We stayed in a cabin this weekend. We were planning on taking the boys into Philadelphia and staying in a hotel for the night. And what was it like three fifty? Prices jumped because it was kind of a holiday weekend around here because the New Jersey teachers convention happens and everybody has off, so the prices jumped so high. And we were looking at I think it's like three sixty five for one night. So this I was cabin like, no. for this cabin for two nights. This gorgeous deluxe cabin with room for all of us and it was pet friendly was less expensive than a hotel in downtown Philly for one night. And I'd also like to mention that the cabin included linens, towels, toiletry, toiletries like shampoo, conditioner, body wash. Um, The kitchen was fully stocked with a Keurig, anything that you needed in terms of utensils and everything. To me, I've said this before, that makes all the difference with cabin pricing. If I can show up in this cabin was like a, really like a luxury 
uh, hotel room, which it was because you have all the amenities of a hotel room. Plus you have way more space with a beautiful loft for the kids and everything and a kitchen for crying all night. So I think that that price point, they're hitting the mark on that. They're hitting it out of the park because if I have to bring my own sheets, my own towels, I don't want to pay that much. It really was a deluxe cabin. It was the nicest KOA cabin we've stayed in. It was the last one available, too. And it was a handicap cabin, which was also nice if you're traveling with somebody that might need that. Then there's a bunch of other cabins that are right on the pond that sort of ring around the pond, and they have fire pits overlooking the water. Those are really charming cabins, too. I would totally go back here for a cabin camp again in the winter. Now, what I would say is we we booked this last minute, and like Jeremy said, there was one left. So we were able to get in last minute. But it seems like that's kind of the case with this place. Like I was looking at Memorial Day for next year and there was like one cabin left or two of the rustic or, you know, so this is not the kind of place where you may have to book a year in advance, but it is the kind of place that can fill up. So you don't want to play footloose and fancy free with that. Look, we were there. In November. It was hopping. Mid-November. And the <laughs> campground was hopping. I yeah. mean, there was a lot of people around. The campground was not sold out, but the RV sites were probably at like 75% capacity. There was a lot of people there. And for all the campgrounds out there, if you stay open all year round, people will come. You know, like at least November, December, people are going to still bring their RVs out. Yeah. Now, you know, this is normally the time when we talk about site details a little more. And I do feel like we said this because we feel out front because we feel like it's the most important part of understanding and having a great time at this campground. So we'll just quickly say the sites are small. 100%. You have to go in with your eyes wide open and know that you will not most likely have a big site. Um, We hope that we can come back after our next visit or a visit after that and say, oh my gosh, they put in some really nice open sites. just about positive they will (laughs) because it's like they bought an older campground that had smaller sites. Now, also, I would say this. You cannot reserve a particular site, but if you reserve online or if you call, I would say, look... Can I, I want to make sure I have a slightly larger site. Put that in your online booking notes or say that when you make the phone call and maybe they can make that happen for you. All right, let's talk amenities because this campground for, like we said, it's pretty small and it's pretty jam-packed. And um, whereas we ha- they haven't done uh, massive improvements with the site yet, we could see already the things that they had touched in terms of the amenities and trying to bring things up to date there. So there's a well-stocked camp store, I hear, right? They had ice cream. <laughs> No, they had lots of, they had charming little gifts um, for like Philadelphia KOA mugs and stuff like that. They had all the basics, some RV supplies. It was a really nice little KOA camp store and the customer service was super friendly. The work campers, as they often are at KOA, were super friendly. The manager was super friendly and they did have coffee and hot chocolate in there as well. They had a really nice game room. It had like couches and chairs and a television and it had air hockey. And if you were camping there on like a rainy weekend or it was cold, it's definitely a place you could lounge and spend some time outside of the RV. It was very comfortable. There was a pool and a hot tub, which of course was out of season and closed up when we were there. But the boys were excited to go back and uh, to have a good time because whenever they see a hot tub, they get very excited and they don't want to miss out on that. There's a, a very large camp canine for the dogs. And I do love, I think at this point, KOA requires every KOA to have a camp canine. And this had a nice big one. And I love that. I love showing up with Maggie, knowing that there's going to be a place to let her off leash and let her run around a little bit. So that's always nice. 
Now, the catch and release fishing pond was lovely. You could, it had a nice little walking path around it, so you could take a nice walk in the morning and the evenings. And there's like a fountain in the middle of it. It's not large, but it's very charming. And like Jeremy mentioned before, there's the cabins that are right alongside the one side and everything. So that's a nice feature that kind of centers the campground. There's also newly remodeled bathhouses. So they did those, I think, right away coming in, and they're very clean and nice. Laundry room. And then one of the real highlights, and I think the KOA is going to be pushing this a lot more. There is a group pavilion and a group fire pit. And it is this really nice communal area out by the pond in the center of the campground. You could grill out there. You could meet other campers out there. The jump pillows nearby. Brand new playground is nearby. And there's also a really cool game area that had ladder ball, horseshoes, and cornhole. So I think the KOA is emphasizing some of those communal areas where campers can hang out together and meet and socialize. And I really, really like that. I hope so. It's been one of our things for a couple years now that that single-handedly may be one of our most favorite things that we find in campgrounds is when they make an effort to put in those communal spots. Campers are social people and KOA is doing a good job of creating spaces where people can come together, meet somebody that you don't know, or if you're meeting up with friends and there's other people in your party, like if you've got three or four RVs together, you got a central place you can all hang out. All right. Of course, you're not in the boonies. Uh, Cell service was fine with our Verizon. Wi-Fi is available at the campground. Jeremy already mentioned that the customer service was lovely. The the cabin was impeccably clean and well stocked, which was one of my most and it was favorite just things. Cute and warm and cozy, and just a really nice place to spend a late fall weekend. Like I'm pushing Stephanie to book this again before Christmas and to do it with some friends, and then to go into Philly before Christmas. It would be lovely. All right, now this is just simply a fantastic and affordable way to explore Philadelphia. So, as for my insider detail. I would say, you know, remember that even if you're traveling in this area, because sometimes people fly into cities for various reasons, consider this truly an option for you for a cabin camping outside of Philadelphia. So don't discount this place just because you're not going to be traveling with your RV, maybe, or if you don't have an RV, you know, don't, don't discount this. This is the perfect kind of cabin campground to me. All right, this is a cute and charming campground, and we really think it's going to be an amazing campground really soon. But what could be improved? Nobody's perfect. What could you be You know, I know we here? already mentioned the small site, so I don't want to harp about that anymore. What I do want to mention is that right now, visually, parts of the campground feel messy to me. So while there were parts that felt very nice and, and natural and bucolic, there were areas and, it, you know, they had some of those signs up. So in all fairness, they're saying, oh, we're, we're, please excuse our appearance. We're making things better around here. But, you know, you just have to know that I'm not going to go w- without saying that on this review, that there was like this big, huge electrical box area that or the propane station, the best campgrounds, in my opinion, always put features around those kinds of things that help to kind of block it from being a visual eyesore when you're trying to relax and enjoy the scenery. And that's relatively easy to fix. And I would say that none of those things were around the communal area or the pond. They were more like the front and the front as you entered. All right, we're going to take you into Philadelphia and tell you about some awesome things that you can do there and also give you some food recommendations near the campground. But before we do so, 
episode, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Yogi Bear's Jellystone Park Camp Resorts. Award-winning Jellystone Parks have everything your family needs to make long-lasting camping memories. And now, you really do want, now that the fall fun is over with, right, we're all shutting down our RVs up here in the north, you want to consider two things. First of all, there are a whole ton of Jellystones that are open year round. And it's not just in the South. It's campgrounds just like the one we're talking about right now, where even in like Illinois, there's a Jellystone that's open year round. It's there, odd which ones decide to stay open, but we right. love seeing campgrounds open all winter for those mild weekends or for those cabin camping adventures. Now, Jellystone put together a really nice blog post last year. And if you go to their blog and you just like do their little search bar open year round, it pops right up. And I'm telling you, you can scroll down and you can see if there's any that are near you that might be great for a quick weekend getaway. Now, that's the first thing. The second thing is you got to be booking for next year, period. If you want to visit some of these fantastic Jellystones that we've been talking about over the past year, you need to book now. Campgrounds are filling up. We're making our plans for next summer. We're and making, already some are saying, oh, oh, we have got one site left. We're booking so <laughs> early and we're finding campgrounds that are like at 85% capacity. You know, it's like you got to get on it so fast. It's true. It's not a sales pitch. You actually should be doing that if you want to visit these great places. So go to campjellystone.com and you can check out a Jellystone Park near you. Stephanie, take us to downtown Philly because we did okay. spend two years living here when you we went to graduate <laughs> school at UPenn and we just loved and adored it. And it really is one of the great American cities. So if we're staying at this KOA, where should we go first? So to put it in context, you, of course, everybody knows we're not going to do a comprehensive what you need to do when you go to Philly in this one Campground of the Week episode. There's too much. It is one of America's great cities. You could spend a whole week here and go from tourist attraction to tourist attraction and still not do it all. But we really went here. Um, our boys, you know, our two older sons are in fourth grade. Our younger son is in kindergarten. They really are at the perfect age, and we haven't done a lot of the historical stuff in Philly with them. And we said, you know what? Of course, Jeremy and I have done that. We grew up in an area where you did that on school trips every year. So we said- We, we took it for granted as yeah. kids. And now as adults, we're like, oh my God, this is amazing, and it's right in our backyard. So we, we said we definitely want to get the kids in for the history stuff. And that's where we started this time. So we went to Independence National Historic Park as our sort of centralized, um, you know, a Agenda for it, it the time. It was easy to get there. It was cheap to park. And all of a sudden, it's like you step out of the parking lot and you're in an, a national park. Which is really, really cool. Yeah, there's a there's parking right at the visitor center, and I highly recommend that parking because um, you can get on street parking in Philly, but it's tough. And um, if you park in this parking lot, you could Uber or walk to almost any major attraction that you would want to see during the day, and then come back to this place at you know in the evening and and drive. And home. here's a pro tip: we were cabin camping. We were in our Subaru Forester. If I was in my F-250, I would not have wanted to park here at the Independence National Historic Park. There is parking along the waterfront, though, that is outdoor parking. And from what we were told, it is much friendlier parking for people with large trucks. Yeah, well, it's it's just big, wide open, you know, spots. And they're all on a slant, which is always easier, you know, when you're going to go down there. So, yeah, that's absolutely a great place if we had been in our Honkin' F-250. So then Independence National Historic Park, you'll want to go there. And the very first thing that you're going to want to do is go and get your timed tickets. It is the only way that you can tour Independence Hall. That is literally the when you get out of your 
your car, you're going to walk into the building and that will be the first thing you it's do. It's the first thing you do because we weren't there at a high time of the year, but these tickets sell out by 9.30 sometimes during you know the busiest season of visiting. So you want to do that first. And, and I can't stress this enough. We do this a lot with the most popular national parks, but you have to understand that if you're not willing to do the early morning thing, your experience during the day is going to be completely different. And I know that on our, in our Facebook group or, you know, we've heard a lot of people say, well, we do it the flip way. We go in later. I'm going to tell you that, well, okay. I hear people say that, but guess what? At the end of the day, we were leaving at about five o'clock in the evening and the lines for all the stuff that we blew right through were still stretching down the road. The lines so, were three times as long. Yeah. But it was cold out. Yeah. So it would not have been fun to wait in those lines. So what you do is you go get your time ticket for the tour and then you know what time you're going to get and you're done with that. And then because you're there early, you're going to go and you're going to hit all the highlights that everybody else is going to wait much longer later in the day for. So you want to go right from there to go to the Liberty Bell. You actually have to pass through security at the Liberty Bell so the lines can get fairly long. And again, they were moving crisply. Oh, we went right yeah, through. It wasn't bad when oh, we were 9, there. 9.30, 10 but in the that, morning. When I said the lines were three times as long, that was the line I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. It was stretched down the block. You know, later on when we were returning during the day, it was it was down the block at noon. So this really is something that if you get there in the morning, it's going to be a nicer trip for you. Um, another thing that I do is I strongly encourage you to plan a weekend visit. This might sound sound weird to some people because some people might think, well, places are more busy in the on the weekend. No, that's not really true. School trips here take up, you know, all the airspace during the week. And to be quite honest, I frankly, um, maybe it's because I was a teacher for too long, I enjoy places much less when there's a lot of school groups there. They're lar- you know, those are large crowds. It tends to be a little more boisterous and noisy. So I really highly recommend going on the weekend when there I aren't school trips. I think that's a great tip. And the crowds were fairly mellow while we were there. Now, you also, if you have little kids or really for anybody of any age, you might want to check out the Ben Franklin Museum, which is just a wonderful, wonderful location. Yeah. And then there's also Congress hall right there. Now that is by tour only, but it's not ticketed. So the only thing you have to worry about getting tickets for is the Independence Hall tour. Then what you'll want to do is if you have time before your tickets, go and do the Congress Hall Can tour. I, tell you, I like the Congress Hall tour more than the Independence yeah, it was Hall cool. tour. I, the, I think the boys liked it more too. This, the Ranger was fascinating. There's such interesting history in this building and I was less familiar with it. So it was the highlight of my day for sure. Now, something that both of us have enjoyed tremendously, but we did not do this time is the National Constitution Center, which is right I think it's to the right to the north of this mall area from Independence Hall. Yeah. And and I really loved it when I went. You went more recently with older kids and you said, Steph, let's just wait. I think the boys are a little young. So you feel like that's more informational. And if you don't I mean, if you had kids that were really into history at 10, 11, 12, that might work. But I think this is good for young teenagers because there's a lot of reading to do there. And it's it's great. I love it. It's one of my favorite places in Philly. Well, I felt our boys were a little young for it. Still. I wonder if they have the tours, you know, that you can, you know, that you can um, put in your ear because our boys do very well with those. Like when we went to the World War II Museum, there was so much reading, so much information, but they did fine because they could listen the to Texas, the audio in tour. Fredericksburg, Texas. Good yeah. Point. So if at the Constitution Center, if they had the audio tour, it might be something that would well, help younger kids. We were kids. only in the city for one day as well. And we had done the Independence Hall tour. We had done the Congress Hall tour. 
We were hungry for cheesesteaks at blah. that point, and we had to go get some cheesesteaks. So we went to South Street, and where did we go? We made a decision, right? Because there's three main places that you're going to want to decide if you want like to experience one of the best cheesecake places, okay? You're going to make your choice between Pat's, Gino's, or Jim's. We decided to go with Jim's because Jim's is on South Street. And I also wanted to show the boys South Street because our boys kind of like like funky shopping places. Yeah, and by the <laughs> way, like South Street is even funkier than I remembered. And like some of the stores you walk by are kind of like rated R or worse. So how much did they love that new age? Like they got such a kick out of that new age bookstore though. We went that you a, like- I, I went into this bookstore and we walked in and I realized it was like this total new age bookstore. But that's not what I'm talking about. There are just some other storefronts that are not appropriate. So yeah. just can, you know, make a decision about what's appropriate for your kids. But as we walked by a few of them, I was like, man, I'm not actually sure I want to be here with the kids. Frankly. Yeah. So, well, you know, I don't know. It's always fun to show them a little bit of the, a little bit of the wild Take side a walk of life. On the wild <laughs> Take side. a walk on the wild side. So we had cheesesteaks at Jim's, which is right there at South Street. Long wait. Always is. If you want one of the best cheesesteaks in Philadelphia, you're going to wait online no matter where you go. So, you know, we waited probably, I would say from start to finish, actually sitting down with our cheesesteaks, it was an hour. And that's honestly not too bad considering what it can be. Right. But you can try Pat's or Gino's and you're not going to be disappointed either. And did you get with Wiz or without Wiz? I did not. So I use, I'll go, I do it a lot of different ways. I'm not like dedicated to one, but this time I was in the mood for um, provolone with the peppers, onions, and mushrooms. I so. just got provolone with peppers and onions. It was awesome. Max got with Wiz and he you were begging. Lo- I was begging him for a <laughs> he bite. He was shoving that thing in his Max face. Max loved the with Wiz. <laughs> and you were like, I should have got with Wiz because he had it there And at the then table. our other children who will remain unnamed got like turkey subs. It was they like, got I almost heroes. wanted to disown them. Yeah, so, you know, they had their subs, but, but that's, that's okay. that's what they wanted. Yep, that's what they wanted. All right, now, another alternative that you could do if you didn't want to go to South Street, like Jeremy's saying, well, it's a little racy, whatever. You could walk in the other direction, and you could go to the Reading Terminal Market. Now, it used to be that there was one cheesesteak place in Reading Terminal Market, Rick's Cheesesteak, and I, we had cheesesteaks from there a lot when we lived. So good. I love Reading Terminal Market. It's just this big food place. It's amazing. It's like Chelsea Market in New York. It's a little bit different than yeah. Chelsea Market in Manhattan, but it, it is a wonderful place to go and shop. Yeah. So um, now Rick's isn't there anymore. And so now there's cheesesteaks. Because like when Rick's was there, they had like the the, the juggernaut on cheesesteaks. You could get a cheesesteak anywhere else because like you weren't allowed to sell them because Rick's was a cheesesteak place. And now you can get them in a lot of places there. So another option that you could do would be to go to Reading Terminal because then anybody that wanted a cheesecake cheesecake could get a decent one there and you could and, get other and things too. you could too. grab some other things to bring home as well. Oh yeah, you want to, yeah, you'll go home with lots of like bread and olives and salamis and you know <laughs> lots of really oh my gosh, desserts and pot, you know, cheesecakes. Making me hungry right now. Yeah. Now there are so many other things to do in the city if you're traveling with a family or if you're not traveling with a family. Franklin Institute is awesome. The Please Touch Museum is Awesome if you have, I'm going to say, if you have little kids, it can be really hard to have a fun, truly fun day in the city with real littles. The Please Touch Museum is legendary around here. 
The Adventure Aquarium is 20 minutes away from the campground on the Jersey side. It's an accredited member of that. It's called the AZA. Which a lot of our listeners I know have the membership in the AZA because what they do is if you have the membership, reciprocal. you get it, that reciprocal entry and you can get in for free. So this is, that might be, this is a very famous aquarium. It has the largest collection of sharks on the East Coast. The Philadelphia Museum of Art is great. You go and do the Rocky run, right? Yes. (laughs) You got to run up the stairs. It's been a while, yeah. Philadelphia's (laughs) greatest athlete. Uh, The Barnes Foundation is amazing. That used to be in the suburbs of Philadelphia. It's a world-famous art collection with Picassos, a little bit of everything. And it used to be in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. We have not been to the new Barnes Foundation. To the new, right. We went when it was back. We have the old one out in the suburbs. And there was a whole lawsuit. It was very controversial about it being moved into the city because it broke the will of, mm-hmm. of the Barnes guy, but right. now it's in the city and it's it gets rave reviews as well. Well, you know, I definitely wanted to put in Philadelphia ha- that because just Philadelphia has something of everything and it really does have that art side too. I mean, tremendous. Like we've been to all of the most famous museums in New York, the art museums in New York City, I feel like over the years. But really when you when when you're you spend time in Philadelphia and you explore the art scene there, it is if, unbelievable if you said what to they me, have. Hey Jeremy, you want to go to Manhattan tomorrow or you want to go to Philly tomorrow and hang out for the day? I'd have to think about it. Like I'd have to think about it. I don't. I mean, Manhattan is Manhattan. You know, it's it's the, always the winner, and Philly's always in the shadow. But what we've told people for years is that Philadelphia has everything that New York City has. It's a little bit less expensive. It's a little bit easier to to, to, navigate. to navigate. Oh my gosh, it's so easy um, to get around. And there's a little bit less of some of the things that New York City has, but it has everything. Mm-hmm. It has all the food, all the culture, all the museums, all the fun stuff to do with kids, all of the outdoor things to do as well. Yeah, and I would recommend trying some walking too because like we walked from the Independence Hall down through Old Town down to South Street, um Old City because it, you know, I wanted the boys to see like the cobblestone streets and all the you know the row houses it's a, and it's everything. It's amazing. It's a walk through history. And they were they were looking. I mean, there's one of you know the oldest churches in the our country are right there. I mean, and it, it is fun to walk and to look at these places that are right in the middle of this major you know metropolitan city. So we had you know. It really says something, I think, about Philadelphia, that we just had a very laid-back, stress-free day in the city with three kids. It is an easier city for the RV owner because you can go to this KOA and be 20 minutes away. New York City, you can do Liberty Harbor and take a boat across, but that's, you know, it's Liberty Harbor in Jersey City. It's definitely not like a cute, charming campground by any stretch of the imagination. And then the other campgrounds outside of New York City, they're going to be well over an hour away. So Philly is a great, it's now a great city to take an RV trip because of this KOA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we we could have lived there. If you stay at this KOA, (laughs) we did one meal out, we did barbecue, and it was like less than 10 minutes from the campground at a place called David and Sons 322 Barbecue. It was phenomenally good barbecue. Ridiculously good. All-time classic barbecue, less than 10 minutes from this KOA. Yeah. I grabbed a stack of menus and brought them back and put them in the KOA mm-hmm. gift shop. They had one menu there. <laughs> what an adorable that, place. I grabbed that one menu. And it's counter service. So you go, you order, and you sit down. They bring you out your food, BYO. There's also a whole butcher and everything. So you could 
also like go there on a Friday night. Like we pulled in on a Friday night and went there to dinner. You could then like get some food for the weekend back at the camper, the cabin there because they had really nice meats and stuff, um, prepared foods and dog treats. They had all these dog jerky treats and everything that they were selling for dogs. And then ice cream after they had the, the scooped ice cream for dessert. Really nice place. If we were near there, that would be like a family favorite. And really friendly customer service. The owner came over and was asking every table how the food was. So if you stay at the Philadelphia South KOA, you've got to eat at this barbecue joint. It's less than 10 minutes away. It's an awesome find, and it'll really make your weekend at this KOA even better. All right. Well, we hope we sparked a little bit of your you know, desire, your curiosity for an urban camping trip. We think it's one of the best things about RVing is that we don't just have to go to one type of place. We can kind of do a lot of different things and still stay for an affordable price right near a major city. New Jersey's starting to look a little bit better as oh, a camping state. <laughs> wow. A couple years right. ago, we didn't have any KOAs. Yeah. Now we have two. All right. All right, everybody. We'll see you at the campground. See you at the campground. Mm-hmm.